You know, when we look at the news, regardless of how it comes to us, it can be hard sometimes to find good news stories. As we heard earlier, 39 people found dead in the back of a truck. Ex-race horses mistreated in Queensland. Boys chanting on a tram. The Murray Darling starved of water. US-China trade wars and the Syria-Turkey and Kurdish conflict that's taking place. Botching of Brexit. Mental health challenges on the rise and issues around family violence. You know, one of the challenges that we face in society and as a nation is that when uncertainty increases, there can be a tendency for generosity to also decrease. With the outcomes of the global financial crisis still reverberating through our um, economies today, our government takes an axe to foreign aid, justifying that we have to look after our own while remaining deaf to the calls of our own in areas like raising the rate or dealing with people that are struggling financially or without homes. In times like these, we can feel an overwhelmed sense of how do we, how do we respond, what can we do? And it's easy for us in these sorts of situations to almost, as it were, take an attitude of, well, let's just circle the wagons. Let's just look after our own. Let's close our door and our windows and pull down the shutters and the blinds and close our our eyes to the world out there and just pretend. A few thousand years ago, the people of Jerusalem and Judea were suffering They were surrounded also by bad news. As we learnt last week, the foreign power, the Babylonian Empire, succeeded where the Assyrian Empire failed and stalled in their attempts to try and take over Jerusalem. The Babylonian Empire stopped the supplies coming into Israel as a nation. Another trade war in another time and another place played itself out with horrific consequences. The scarcity of the supply of goods drove prices up and made living so difficult. Whether because of people seeking um, their refuge in, the, uh, in Judah's capital of Jerusalem, whether because of oppression from more powerful nations that stalked around the Hebrew nation looking for an opportunity to pick off those who were helpless and hopeless. Or most concerning, that those within the Hebrew nation those who had wealth, those who had goods, hoarded what they had and oppressed their brothers and sisters to protect their own interests. And this was before they would be taken into captivity by the Babylonian Empire. There were those who had, and then there were those who were in the majority who had not. And it didn't matter which way you looked at it day after day, Life just seemed to be full of bad news. Destroyed homes, being chased off your farmland, your livestock stolen, sitting as it were amongst a pile of rubble, robbed of your dignity, robbed of your hope. I remember on an occasion, if we go back to that previous slide, um, of a time when I was in Bangladesh and I was sitting in a shop talking to a gentleman in this area of Bangladesh, um, not far from where that image is taken. And he was a maker of quilts. 
and bedding and I was listening to his laments about the nation of Bangladesh. A nation without hope. A nation with those in power who were at least at the best seemingly corrupt, but so much more. And this man spoke about the future generations that would follow after him and he saw that they had a future without hope. No hope to breathe life into lost souls. He was rich by comparison to this family that we visited in this little um, village that was just near the river. And all they had, for those that are listening on the podcast, was a raised mound of dirt with some branches of trees to bend over and throw some tarps on. And their whole family lived in that home. I can only imagine how hard it must have been for the Israelites living in Judah and its capital Jerusalem, seeing the devastation that struck the Babylonian Empire, uh, struck by as the Babylonian Empire laid siege on its capital, uh, Jerusalem, in around 600 BC. And for the next 20 years, the Babylonian Empire plundered Jerusalem, taking what they wanted and who they wanted, when they wanted, and leaving Jerusalem a pathetic shadow of its former self. Seventy years later, when the remnant returned from captivity to see what must have been like a ghost town, it would have been heartbreaking for them. Everywhere they turned, once again there seemed to be nothing but bad news which crushed life and spirit. Labourers of the the past lay in tatters. Hope for the future was teasing like a mirage. They grieved the loss of what was. They grieved the loss of what might have been. Yet it is into this very bad news situation, with these bad news experiences, that God, through the prophet Isaiah, prophesied good news. Good news that would make a difference in so many ways. Good news that would breathe life once again into the devastated and the dismayed. You see, good news makes a difference for people. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3 and then we'll skip down to verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. And then we'll skip down to verses 6 and 7. These words from when they were written would be read and reread time and time again for more than half a millennia. Such is the power of this prophecy, the promise of the good news, that it would make a difference across generations. And because Yahweh declares it, my hope and prayer is that it would make a difference for us today. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, 
festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And then skipping down to verse 6. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will be free. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Here we have a transformative picture of the power of the good news outworked in people's lives. People whose lives were just time and time again rattled by bad news. Poverty, broken-hearted, imprisoned, mourning, struggling with the guilt of sin and shame, the bad news of despair. But then God does something amazing. God, by His Spirit, comes upon and moves upon the life of one. He anoints one. He sets this one apart, enabling and empowering this one to carry out the God-ordained work to bring good news, to proclaim, to shout, as it were, from the rooftop, from the mountaintop, to declare that help is on its way. It's a message of hope of peace. It's a message of salvation. You see, those who are happy don't need to be comforted. No, it's those who are broken-hearted. They're the ones who long for comfort from their heartache. Those who can come and go as they please, they don't need, they don't long for freedom. Freedom is longed for by those who feel trapped and imprisoned. The good news makes a difference in people's lives when it touches on, when it affects, when it lovingly embraces and transforms bad news situations. The one who is appointed and set apart by the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is a listener, an observer, an asker of questions. The anointed one is one who discerns and understands where bad news lies and sees what God would have them do to bring, to be good news. The good news is absolutely that Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with God due to our sin. But to someone who is poor, to someone who is hungry, to someone who is homeless, good news might first need to be for them, to feed them, to resource them to house them in Jesus' name. James puts it like this in James chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm, eat well but you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? Earlier, in chapter 1 of James, he writes in verse 27, Pure, genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans, the widows, in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. There will be some who we come across who for them, 
The first point of good news is salvation in Jesus' name. They are dealing with the challenge of guilt and of sin. And they are looking forward, desperately seeking an answer to this. But for many others, the cry of their heart is also the cry of their stomach or their need for a safe place to sleep or dealing with work issues or family breakdown. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? In Jesus' name, comfort the brokenhearted. Release those trapped in their prisons. In Jesus' name, see ashes transformed into beauty. Mourning transformed into joy. Despair transformed into celebratory praise. When the dust of the Galilean soil covered Jesus' beautiful feet, Jesus absolutely brought an antidote to sin. But he also fed the hungry, healed the sick, set people free from their prisons. Because of this good news, shame and dishonor will be replaced with a double portion of honor. Good news makes a difference in people's lives. It transforms their bad news situations. Good news also makes a difference in our communities. Communities that are broken and fragmented. Communities where people, as it were, sit in the midst of devastation and destruction and feel at times so very alone. When good news is experienced, the impact should not just stop with an individual. That's revival, which is good. But good news needs to go so much further. As a part of the Churches of Christ history, the Cane Ridge revival that took place in Kentucky in the USA on the 6th of August in 1801 is a significant part of our history. When about 20,000 plus people came to Cane Ridge praying and seeking the reviving power of God in their life. But good news is dulled and diluted and its powerful effects lessened and muffled when we just stopped there. These people from Cane Ridge then went out and made a difference in their communities and in the, the tent cities that were rising up in the West. Revival is good, but God's heart is for reformation the transformation of communities and of cities. Following the good news of Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3, we read the good news makes a difference in communities as we read in Isaiah 61 verse 4. They will rebuild their ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, um, though they have been deserted for many generations. Ancient ruins rebuilt, stones and bricks dusted off, cleaned up, and set back in their place. Timbers broken over doorways will be restored and welcome visitors again. And with the rebuilding of homes and infrastructure comes the creation of communities and neighbourhoods and the transformation of cities. Like house flipping on steroids, the people of Judah and Jerusalem would soon see the devastated homes being rebuilt again. That they that is referred to in verse 4, are those who have experienced the difference that good news makes in their lives. 
They are the ones who are motivated to see the power of the good news outworked. The news, good news spill out, as it were, into the lives and into the communities of others around them. What has sat neglected for, by others will be transformed by those who have been made different because of this good news affecting their life. For Northern Community, we believe at the core of our being that we are not just here for ourselves. We believe that we are called to be a transformative agent of positive change in our community. In a few weeks, we'll be celebrating our 20th anniversary of four churches becoming one. The rallying cry was so much beyond just mere survival, but about transformation. More could be achieved out of a desire to make a difference in our community by coming together than what we could achieve by staying apart. The reason why we do what we do is not to deal with boredom because we've got nothing to do on a Monday morning. It's not even about us feeling good about ourselves. The good news goes beyond making a difference in the lives of people. Sure, the way we do this will continue to adapt and change, but it needs to be so much more than just making a difference in one person's life. As God's transformative agents, we need to affect the lives of individuals, the lives of our communities as well. We are called to represent Jesus at different levels of local, state and federal government to affect the lives of community leaders. You see, it doesn't just stop with individuals and our local community. It goes beyond that. The good news flows from individual people, from you and from me, into a wider community, into the city, and makes a difference for the nations. Let's look at the outworking of the good news and read how it makes a positive difference for other nations as we read from Isaiah 61, verses 11, the first part of 11, which I think is the next line. Yep, there we go. The Sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. In the Bible reading that Amy shared with us earlier, we discover God at work through the king of Syria, whose generosity restores the fortunes of the Hebrew people, not only allowing those who were once held captive to return home, but also helping to finance the restoration of Jerusalem and the temple of God. The good news outworked through individuals and communities makes a difference in other nations as well. So that justice is experienced in such a radical way that they voluntarily praise Yahweh God. Good news in other nations is experienced through a just distribution of medical support, a just distribution of food, a just response to the environment and how we truly should be valuing it. A just economy that doesn't just benefit the West at the cost of the voiceless, the poor, the marginalised. You see, it can't truly be good news if it's good news for us and bad news for them, if it makes it oppressive for others. Good news makes a difference for us and others as well. Good news also makes a difference for the generations. It's not just good news that is fleeting like a morning fog. 
here today and God tomorrow as a memory. But God's good news is a blessing and gives benefit for generations. The Israelites faced a time of challenge. They would suffer at the hands of others. But God in his perfect timing would bring an eternal blessing that would make a difference for the generations that would follow. So much so that as God's people spread out through the nations of the earth, others would come to see, to realize that this blessing could only come from the hands of Yahweh God. Let's once again turn our attention to Isaiah 61, this time verses 8 and 9 as we read together. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will recognize, uh, will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are people the Lord has blessed. As we seek to live out the good news, we can take heart that while we might experience temporary suffering, the blessing that God wants to bring through his good news is everlasting. Not just for us, but a positive impact for generations to follow. And it's because of this, of God's good news, it testifies to God making the difference. In verse 11, the second half of verse 11, it says, Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, with plants springing up everywhere. This good news is not about making a name for ourselves. It's not about promoting northern community or even the churches of Christ. We are not a social club that wants to increase our membership to meet budget constraints. You see, it's not enough just to do good things. When we do good, we can easily get the credit. But when we acknowledge that our motivation, the reasons why we do what we do, is because of our experience of the good news of God, then God gets the credit. And as followers of Jesus, our desire is to give God the glory and to draw people's attention to him. We are followers of Jesus. And we respond to the good news that is initiated by, that comes from God. For us today, as we seek to follow Jesus, we are also set apart. We are also empowered. We are also anointed to bring good news to those around us, making a difference in people's lives, making a difference in our community, in our city, globally and also generationally for the glory of God. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. The Lord has anointed us to bring good news. Let me pray. Jesus, as we think of words of ancient ages past, these are not just dead words, but these are called to be life-giving words. Life-giving words that should transform, should shape the way we look at our life, our reason for being here, and that we are to look beyond ourselves. May we, in the midst of our own pain, in the midst of our own struggles, our own challenges, experience your good news, spoken 
Holy Spirit, as words washing over us afresh. But as recipients of your good news, of hope that is found in you, Jesus, may we also be people that are prepared to share this good news with those around us, being transformative agents for your glory. Amen. So how might we respond today? As we think about what we've been looking at out of Isaiah 61, what might God be saying to us? Well, here's a few things that you might want to consider. Good news making a difference for us individually, in a community, in our city, for nations globally, for generations, for God's glory. What might God be saying? Well, are there areas that God wants you to bring good news to? When you look at the world around you, when you look into the environments in which God has placed you, where are the bad news situations that you can respond to in Jesus' name? And what is one thing? It doesn't have to be a massive thing. But what is one thing that you can do to bring good news to someone this week? And may God be glorified because of his good news. We're going to have an opportunity to respond. There's going to be some music playing. Those response cards, I encourage you to pull those out now and to respond to the things that God might be saying to you through communion, through song, through this time around God's Word. And after the music's played, Dan and the team will come up and um, lead us in our final song and our offering will be collected during that time along with those response cards. God bless you.